Do you just cry when you sit with the papers Thinking about what it's like and take away from us We're on a course for a head-on collision Scientists said this is what we've been missing Sorry that research is not for submission Friend Roger's dead and we'll be the one to listen Can't take the heat, now the planet is your kitchen She's like you're stuck in a contest of pissing Time to trade in Congress for a new edition Hey, welcome back. It's Friday, May 29th. Uh, some people out there say I have a horseshoe crammed up my ass. Or some people just say, you know, I might live a charm kind of life. And I think I do. I, I figured that out because I'm trying to find a way, like, what to do for an episode today. For sustainability and make it kind of positive examples of things happening. And lo and behold, on my doorstep or in my mailbox comes a little an outreach thing from the Nature Conservancy. Now, this doesn't have my name on it. It's a prior resident. Must have donated or reached out some way in the past. And This thing shows up my doorstep. and I'm into nature, the outdoors, and whatever. Wanted to see what it was all about. Now, I don't know much about the Nature Conservancy as an organization, but I liked what I saw when I opened up their Basin Range and Rim Rock Spring 2020 newsletter. From the Utah chapter. Right in the beginning, the Utah State Director of the Nature Conservancy, Dave Livermore, he wrote his thoughts on these perilous times. And now while readings are usually focused on the leadership segment on Monday, I'd like to kind of share this one with you because this is a very good example of what leadership in my mind, kind of looks like he's addressing what we're looking at at this COVID pandemic um, and and how, I guess, him as a state Utah state director and a caring human, but with influence of an organization, is looking at it through that lens. And I think he starts out using a quote from Arundhati Roy, who is an author and a political activist out of India, she said, and this is the quote he's using to start his article or to put it in context, is historically pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging our prejudice, our avarice, our dead rivers and smoky skies, or we can walk through lightly with little luggage, ready to imagine another world. Like I said, that was a quote by Arundhati Roy, author, political activist. 
But to put now his now to put Dave Livermore, he's using that quote to put his article, I guess, in context here, and he says, "Who would have thought a few months ago that this spring's blossoms would usher in a global pandemic, the likes of which we have never seen?" Hoping to learn and cope, we searched Google for the history of the 1918 Spanish flu. My father was seven years old that year. His family's quarantine formed some of his earliest memories. Our memories are of many of weeks working from home so far, with many more to come. I can recall a life before face masks and Zoom, but these images are starting to fade a bit as our new normal takes hold. At this time, we send our well wishes to all of you, our supporters, members, and friends. We hope you and your families are safe. We salute the brave essential service providers and healthcare workers who are on the front lines of this critical fight against COVID-19. It's troubling to think that it's taken a pandemic to help us fully appreciate the power and importance of nature. But in a sense, this is true. The cleaner air we are breathing, the quiet neighborhoods, and the absence of traffic give us pause. Is this what it would be like if we all drove electric cars? Perhaps someday we will. In the meantime, there are some points of light. We are still working hard at the local level to achieve tangible conservation results. This newsletter describes how a remarkable coalition of local citizens, public agencies, and private donors came together to protect Sheep Bridge, a very special two-mile section of the Virgin River. Despite all odds, even now, good things can still happen. The other night I was out walking our dog and there was a beautiful full moon. There is nothing like a full moon to fill us with awe and remind us that this too shall pass. I thought then of an editorial in the New York Times on the 40th anniversary of Apollo 8. The earth seen from the moon is surely as lovely as ever, even within our ice caps, Smaller forests, fewer gorillas and tigers, and a few more billion people. We are still brothers and sisters in the eternal cold, but increasingly able to see, hear, and understand one another as never before. This is reason for optimism. During this challenging time, as we pass through the portal described by Arundhati Roy, in that quote we mentioned in the beginning, there is reason for hope. Rather than counting the days, we can make each day count. There will be more beautiful moons and an even healthier planet when we reach the other side. It is too early to say when this will be, but it can't come soon enough. And that was what David Livermore wrote in this edition of their newsletter, I guess. But I like that. I mean, it's a silver lining report, kind of, right? Things are going to change. We have to be honest with ourselves and what we're looking at. I like, um, he, he said, I can recall a life before face masks and Zoom, but these images are starting to fade a bit as our new normal takes hold. And I think we can relate to that a lot. Like just the pace of the news cycle and so much that is just happening. Weeks feel like months now. And that, that seemed to happen overnight itself, so. So what is it? So when this new normal takes hold so quickly, we have to make, I think the argument he's saying is probably we have to make sure that we're staying in front of things, right? 
I like his futuristic vision, what it's going to look like on the other side of this. How do we come together? Looking forward to how do we put more electric cars on a road, calm down the pace of travel, allow nature to come back out, restore environments or conservancy, conserve as much we can. And so this newsletter goes and supports that his ethos or whatever that is for this organization and it kind of shows how they do it if you just in it's a newsletter so by the numbers on the front a quick snapshot they said that they have through 190 projects and well over 230 projects total between private lands and public lands they have protected over a million acres and they talk about some of their work in, in this newsletter here, Protecting Sheep Bridge. Now, this is where they purchased a critical stretch of the Virgin River and some adjacent land to it. So the Virgin River is down near the gateway to Zion National Park. And what they did, this organization, and probably along with you know donors and other vested interest, came together and purchased 419 acres of the Sheep Bridge land, including a few miles of Virgin River along that. So this all goes to support conservancy measures, restoring wildlife habitats. They're concerned with some of the native fish in the area, making sure that it's a healthy river corridor, that they want to keep a nice, nice parcel of land so migratory birds come have a place to nest and rest in these arid lands protect the amphibians and reptiles in the area and safeguard it ver against some development pressures that are, have been mounting. So at least these 419 acres are safe for now. But I think that's kind of a big concern. We see a lot of environmental protection rollbacks, the shrinking of national parks and lands, and it has a lot of us worried. So through the efforts of organizations like the Nature Conservancy, we get to protect private public lands here. So thank you, TNC, as you keep putting it in your newsletter. So thank you, TNC. And now this, now you own the 419 acres, and they talk about management, which will include, they say, what it would be appropriate recreational opportunities. So I'm hoping low-impact recreation, especially if you're, t and I'm sure it will be, so far, there's nothing in this newsletter that seemed uh, like this is like a whitewashing attempt. So, yeah, I'm sure it would be appropriate recreational opportunities. Next, they had a article, a little forward, maybe not forward thinking of some well, forward thinking, but innovative thinking out of out out of the box. Here they get a little little creative using a pasta maker to help spread seeds to recover some sagebrush. So here they use pasta machines and seed pods to restore sagebrush and across the American landscape here. And this, uh, and this article shows another good example of collaboration. Here they partner with Agricultural Research Service, ARS, on these innovative ways to use a special dough. They need to do. They make a special dough to increase the survival rates of the pods, of the seed pods for the sagebrush. And they wanted to come up with 
more formulas for this whatever this that special dough seed pod matrix or whatever it is to combat herbicide and protect these pods from herbicides that get sprayed on the side of the road probably. But the reason they have to do this is because sagebrush has been disappearing through for many reasons and it says in the article because of you know conversion where changing our, we're developing on our land you know like uh, overgrazing of cattle free range or whatnot drought energy development and i'm sure that's all forms anything that takes up land and you got to cut through land uh, make roads and infrastructure fire and invasive species all the usual suspects right but what's sad is that they said that we've seen more than 50% of the continent sagebrush kind of wiped out and been lost and we lose about a million more acres every year because of those same reasons said the sagebrush ecosystem once spanned more than 500,000 square miles across North America and what's important is that it is a sagebrush itself but also the sagebrush homes a lot of sagebrush dependent animals such as the iconic greater sage grouse ask me an ugly kind of looking bird based on some pictures no grouses are pretty cool i've come across them in the woods hiking around here but it's sad so birds like that that require you know that depend on the sage brush right the sage grouse needs that and if we get rid of his habitat maybe we get rid of that bird you know didn't darwin show us that what happened finches when they don't have the same habitat they kind of evolve or you know extinct and this is a sad thing that we've not just lost 50 percent of the sage brush here right nature environmental organizations are there to protect wildlife and nature because we have created a lot of extinction on behalf of you know the human impact on the planet you know, we're here. We're not going anywhere. People aren't going anywhere. Unless this COVID thing really takes off. But we're not. We're going to be around a while. But how can we do. How can we act as stewards? How can we take care of this land when we know we have such an impact? Right? Uh, some of the ways they point to that in the next kind of article. That's one I'll touch on today is. Another partnership, they partnered up with the Carbon Canal Company and other, you know, Natural Resource Conservation Service and the Bureau of Land Management. Whatever other entities are involved with those organizations and the processes that go with managing big projects like this. But anyways, here, what they did was now they're trying to work on water efficiency measures, diverting water. Uh, controlling the flow through rivers and dams. So here the Price River, they're trying to improve the flow of the lower Price River. And how they're doing that, they partner up with all those entities. And this project team will, enlar will enlarge Olson Reservoir to provide ample water storage. If you don't know, so the Price River flows into the Green River, so about 137 miles uh, flows through the Utah-Wasatch Plateau into the Green River. And this river is also home to rare species of fish, such as an endangered Colorado pike minnow. 
And there's actually a cute little picture of that on the back of this magazine or newsletter. But this river means a lot to a lot of people, especially some farmers in the area, saying that they understand that this that the Price River is in jeopardy. We're already the second driest state, they admit. Uh, Rex, Rex, Rex Sacco admits. He said, we need to take care and use our water in the best way we can. And they're saying more than 70% of the Price River, River is already diverted for agriculture and municipal use. But especially later in the summer, they can see periods when it's not flowing at all. So here they're trying to increase a sustainable flow year-round, and they'll do that by controlling, uh, like it looks like they're putting in a flood control gate, and then the and then TNC, the Nature Conservancy, will pay this carbon canal company for each acre foot of water they divert to the Olson Reservoir with the aim of bringing back the wetland habitat for migrating birds and, again, you know, public recreation opportunities. So. But I hope most importantly is to bring that area back to life, not just get people moving around there, but like I said, like for the birds, the local wildlife and plant and the habitat in general. And for farmers like Rex Sacco to make sure that they have the required water flow that they need to op- operate their business. And I hope, Rex, that you are concentrating on efficiency measures. I don't know what they do for big, large-scale farming operations to cut down on your water use, but I'm sure they've developed something. Whatever the modern technology is that you can apply to your operation, please do help those efficiency measures. But I thought that was a good... Three good examples right off the bat, right right delivered to my doorstep, that charmed life. But there were good examples of partnerships between organizations, non-governmental, governmental organizations, vested donors and shareholders, stakeholders, concerned parties, all coming together to protect some of our shared lands. Private, public, but important lands to protect so thank you david livermore and like i said your whole team out there for what you do Uh, i'll look more into you and hopefully get to talk more about you see uh i don't know i wonder if you've done anything up around the ogden area how you what you've gotten your hands into into that way so we'll dig a little more Anyways, I hope you guys in, enjoyed that, seeing some examples. Maybe got you thinking outside of the box. Maybe put your pasta unit or pasta maker to use, a new use. I don't know. I know they were using their own special formula that was made to enhance pot. But what kind of organic stuff could you do to make planting in your garden more fun? Is there something that you could dig up on the Internet, a recipe? or There's got to be stuff like that all over Pinterest. So while we're trapped in in our little COVID cocoon or whatever it is, find find little projects you could do that way, or you know maybe make little seed pellet packets for Tree Utah, Plant a Tree Today, USA.com, or whoever whatever organizations you might support. 
your local community garden people. Just a thought. Anyways, that was Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back Monday with more more readings. So till then, we'll see you.